Hey guys, what's up? It is week uh, 96. I have some reviews for you and maybe a dual, uh, you know, joint review. I wanted to talk about a couple things. Uh, Jesse Diaz brought up on the Sister Street Fighter review from last week that the uh, UK version is cut, um, but are censored. And uh, William West commented underneath and explained what happened. Uh, I guess there's a scene, I don't remember it in particular, where there's a naked child. And uh, they zoom in on the um, UK version because the scene is important to plot, but they didn't want to show it for obvious reasons. They zoom in on the other side of the screen, but uh, the US version is uncensored. I didn't notice that scene. Um, so if uh, if that really matters to you, I'll go for the US version. Also, I don't even know if I should bring this up because it's it's such a, like a stupid moment. Um, when you get in arguments with people online in like Facebook groups, it's like, why do you do it? It's like you hit this immature level and you just you, you make a fool out of yourself. But uh, somebody posted that they thought the scene from Cannibal Holocaust was inspired by the scene. Um, um, the scene from Platoon was inspired by the scene in Cannibal Holocaust. And I agreed. I thought it was too. And I know that Oliver Stone was in Vietnam. I understand that that stuff was based off a true massacre. But the way it's filmed, the lead up and everything like that, um, I just felt that it was. So I basically argued with this guy and he accused me of, because um, I said uh, that Oliver Stone possibly embellished what happened, not necessarily what happened. Embellished his own personal you know, experience to make that movie, not embellishing Vietnam. And I was accused of like, <laughs> like, yeah, Vietnam didn't happen and stuff like that. It was just uh, nonsense. And it's, the point is, um, I just felt that it was kind of weird that no one would accept the possibility of a famous director being inspired by a less famous director previously. And it's just weird that someone would get so irritated, like just refuse to believe it. Like, okay, it's an opinion on both parts. We know Ruggiero Diodato says it happened, which doesn't mean it happened, but... Who's to say that Oliver Stone didn't see it and didn't subconsciously or consciously take from that movie? We don't know. And to act like you do because Oliver Stone says something and he was there doesn't mean anything. That's how I feel. But, hey, it's, 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 it's impossible to really prove unless Oliver Stone and Ruggiero Diodato sit down together and have a conversation and everybody sees it, you know? And therefore, they could still both be lying. But it's just a, a weird subject, and it's always embarrassing when, like, you, you look back and you go, why was I even caring about this? Why was I arguing with a stranger? But it's funny that sometimes every once in a while, it just you get something up your ass and you have to start arguing. And it's just, or you say something stupid, or they say something stupid, and it just goes on and on and on. It's just a silly thing. But uh, I guess let's hop into the reviews. The first one I am reviewing or covering today is uh, Invasion of the Flesh or the Blood Hunters. Sorry, Blood Farmers. I get these all these all these titles confused from Severn Films. Um, you know, I had never seen this. This one is from the early '70s. I was mixing up the title, I think, with Invasion of the Flesh Hunters, which is A.K. Cannibal Apocalypse, which is one of my favorites. Um, Oh, okay. But Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Here we go. I remember there's a Code Red DVD of this, which I never got a chance to watch. This is a 1972 movie. Uh, yeah, this is a schlock fest, to be honest. Um, if you guys haven't seen this kind of stuff... Um it feels like a 60s movie. It feels like a Hershey Gordon Lewis style movie. And I actually think it was kind of inspired by that. We have these aliens, uh, or someone, they're a cult. Uh, sorry, they were supposed to be aliens. They're a cult that comes down, or that comes down. But they start to like harvest blood. And they are affecting people in a certain way. And they become kind of rabid. Uh, it is really silly and weird. And the acting is some of the worst I've ever seen in these kind of movies. It's atrociously bad. People like looking at the cameras. People just basically 
basically reading their lines off a cue card. And it's one of these movies that spends uh, minutes, scenes on science, all bullshit science. And that drives me nuts. It's like, if you have bullshit science, don't waste your time explaining your bullshit science. Just say, well, this, this mechanism does this and it makes it this happen. It's like, okay, I'm good enough. You don't need to go in details because it's all nonsense bullshit. And, and they do that so much in these Shalaki movies. Um, and that's the thing about this movie is like, it, it, it's, it's a 70s movie. But it is such a bad 60s movie feeling. Like, and I don't like those. Like, I'm not into, like, the Herschel Gordon-Lewis movies or anything like that. And it, it is really like a Herschel Gordon-Lewis movie. Um, it looks great, though. I can't believe Severn Films remastered this thing. It's, looks, it looks gorgeous. The woods scenes and all that kind of stuff looks great. Sounds good. There's a couple scenes that kind of dip in quality. I imagine that's print damage or from a different print. Um... The movie itself, like I said, I'm not particularly a fan of it, and it's a crowd pleaser, so people will watch it and laugh with their friends. Watching this by yourself, you'll want to, uh, you know, die. Uh, the science doesn't make any sense. The acting's pretty bad. It has a, a kind of a fun plot that could go places, and it's just a off-the-wall kind of silly movie. It feels very 50s, 60s. The special features are great. Um, I love the interview with the director. He seems like a really cool guy. He's led a very interesting life from music to um, movies all the way to the video game industry. And that stuff is very interesting, more interesting than the movie. There's a commentary on here as well. But uh, that's really what stood out to me is that special feature with him talking about his life and his career. Uh, how they had the song, uh, You Can Do It, Frank. It's how they got the song from like classic movies. And this guy's inspired by like classic horror films. And he also talks about, I can't think of the, um, who is it, uh, Roberto Finley's uh, husband who worked on this movie and his tragic death. And he gets really emotional. And that whole scene is just something that I think like his connection with him, they weren't like, they had their turmoils and stuff, but just uh, it looked like a, maybe a cinephile understanding another cinephile and having that tragic life and it was touching and I love that and I, the guy seems really damn cool and I, like it's like I felt bad after watching that like I wish I liked your movie but I just don't and maybe it's just something that like it, it had to be a time and a place for that kind of thing um it is gory it is splattery it is really stupid it's like a um a poor man's version of I drink your blood is what it kind of reminds me of at times but not as a uh, um dirty grindhouse uh there's also an interview with the cinematographer on here and an interview with one of the actors um great features looks great the movie is not great but it doesn't pretend to be um i think they're aware of what they made they also talk about the movie he worked on called shriek of the mutilated which is a, a yeti movie which I, i've heard about for years i don't think i've ever seen it but that's invasion of the blood farmers from severn films it's just a farmhouse and looks pretty innocent from the road but once you're inside, you'll see what really happens on a terror farm. Invasion of the Blood Farmers. Coming in the dead of night. Coming to plant the living and harvest the dead. She looks exactly like the lady presently on my right. <laughs> Making movies is fun. Seeing, seeing your, your picture on the screen is fun. Many times I said, can we do that again? And they said, no, no, it's great, it's great, it's great. Seems to me there were about three of us on the whole crew. <laughs> Invasion of the Blood Farmers. More raw terror, more stomach-turning shock than you can take. Therefore, we warn you. Don't eat before you see Invasion of the Blood Farmers. 
Okay, guys, this next one is um, from MVD uh, Rewind Collection. It is Showdown. Yeah. This is um, directed by Robert Radler, who did Best of the Best 1 and Best of the Best 2. I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. I adore Best of the Best 2. It's got, like, the best B-movie cast for this kind of martial arts movies ever. Um, Showdown. It does feel like the same director, for sure. It is much cheesier than the Best of the Best movies. Uh, it's a Karate Kid ripoff. But uh, if you watch the features, which I highly recommend you do, you will understand why. And everybody involved. I'll get to that later. But Showdown follows the story of a new kid in the school, and he starts to make eyes at... Um, it's actually... Um, who's the actress? Is it... Oh, geez, she's in tons of stuff. She's in Dodgeball. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. But this has got to be Christine Taylor. It's got to be one of her first roles. She's also in The Craft, I believe, is the bully. Um, and he makes eyes at her. He, t She's actually the boyfriend of this uh, local martial arts bully that is being taught by um, Patrick Kilpatrick, who's the great Patrick Kilpatrick. And he is a horrible bully, and he starts to pick on this young guy. Um, the janitor is played by Billy Blanks, yes, martial artist, and Tybo. Billy Blanks and Billy Blanks teaches um, the young Ken Scott that's the actor's name to learn how to fight and defend himself and also um, Billy Blanks has a history with Patrick Kilpatrick's character Lee uh, who runs this dojo so there's these kind of double storylines going on and they of course are going to meet so uh, Ken Scott has to basically fight at the end of this movie uh, and it is a, it's a karate kid uh, kind of rip off the relationship between them the fights are pretty solid they're pretty fun uh, Patrick Kilpatrick is chewing the scenery like no Nobody's business. He's having a blast. He's intense. That's why I've always enjoyed intense actors. He's always one I've always spotted popping up in stuff like Death Warrant, Last uh, um, Man Standing. And I was watching this and realizing, and I always do that with like these kind of like bad guys in these movies. I'm like, okay, we have guys like Brian Thompson who was killed by uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and kicked by Van Damme, and then we have Patrick Kilpatrick who is uh, killed by Van Van, Van Damme. Um, Killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, um, also in a Steven Seagal movie. And it's just like all these guys and killed by Bruce Willis. So it's like these guys have been like beaten and killed and just in all these um, classic like uh, big action mo stars movies. So I, I love seeing that. But. Uh, he, he does has some great fight scenes in the movie and he's having fun and he's just a despicable monster and this movie has like a PG PG-13 kind of flair and he's almost like crossing into that R territory where it's like we should take him back he is almost too violent for this movie but he's having fun Billy Blanks uh, is not the greatest actor but his fight scenes are good and there's a really cool scene where he's fighting these guys in like a play like in a like a stage uh, um, constructed for the school uh, Brian James is the principal love Brian James he's having fun uh, it's kind of a role that he doesn't typically get to play like a fast talking kind of uh, vice principal kind of a uh, you know tough loving the kids that's enjoyable the movie is vastly cheesy uh, cringe worthy at times because of its time it's dated it's very very dated it's not nearly as strong as something like best of the best one and two it's not a great movie but it has these entertaining moments and it has that you know martial arts message and um it, it's really it's kind of a kids family kind of movie deal I mean if you have kids and stuff I, I it's more for that kind of element. And it's a huge product of its time. Uh, 
Can I recommend the movie necessarily? If you like this kind of stuff, probably. But will I recommend the release? Uh, most definitely, especially for the uh, extra features on here. There is an hour and 38 minute, just as long as the movie uh, making of, which interviews everybody that's still around, I think. You got Patrick Kilpatrick, Billy Blanks, Ken Scott, um, the guy who plays the comic relief, the writer and director, Robert Radler. That's really interesting to see because they get into, you know, how the movie was made and all they get in deep on the movie and the meeting and everything and how they went about um, you know, acting and developing their characters and where the script came from. And the writer's like, hey, I got the script. I got the idea. Well, they sent me the idea and it was a Karate Kid ripoff. So I had to work all these things around. So it's like you're watching this and you're understanding that everybody involved with this movie put 110% into it. And it's really only the way its shortcomings are really coming at the script not even the script, the original story given to the writer and the budget. It's just like, and the, and the time they had to make it. And you're like, Oh, it's really just the best they could do with what they had. And you kind of have to respect that. Um, love always seeing a lot of these people talk about the crew. And you know, Ken Scott is really funny and, uh, Patrick Kilpatrick's a no bullshit guy. So it's, it's great seeing that. Um, and everybody's kind of like a no bullshit guy or funny. They're all likable and it's good interviews. There's also an additional interview with uh, the choreographing stuff, like the fight stuff, and that that's really cool. That's pretty long. It's like 45 minutes long. And then there's uh, with Robert Radler as well, and I believe uh, someone else. Uh, but it's a nice release. If you like the movie, then it's a most definite pickup. If you're not familiar with it um, and you like martial arts movie, maybe give it a shot. Uh, it's a nice release of a, an okay martial arts movie. But uh, that's Showdown. From the director of Best of the Best and Best of the Best 2, Showdown. There's a place in this town where kids learn the wrong things. A place where they keep a vicious secret. A place controlled by people who profit from pain. It's a town where the kids provide the thrill of blood money. When you're a new kid in this town, you better make your first shot your best shot because you may not get another. Hi there, Kenneth. Around here, you learn the rules fast. The blonde, Julie, just forget about it. She's trouble. Why? Her boyfriend is Godzilla. Who's this guy think he is? Give it to her. You're messing with my woman. And leave the boy alone. <laughs> If you fail again, you will be lucky if I decide to let you live. You ain't replacing nobody, Kenny boy. Got that? You gotta learn to protect yourself, and I'm gonna teach you. I got this problem. I don't know what to do about it. What you did to Ken was terrible. He broke the rules, so he pays the price. Punk. When the rules are wrong, it's time to change them. You should be proud you know how to fight. Hey, plenty of these kids pay their way through college like this. They're hurting kids to make money, and that's not right. This is the man you took pictures of before. Yeah. Kill him. In the school. Now, there's no turning back. Now, the stakes can go no higher. Don't you ever touch her again. Now, this town's vicious secret is exposed. When the rule is might makes right, there's only one thing to do. Get ready for a showdown.
Okay, guys. I, I, I'm wondering if I'm one of the only fans of this movie, but it is from uh, Mill Creek Entertainment. It's a TV movie made in the late 90s, and it is The Odyssey, uh, with the character, the, you know, Odysseus's story. Um, you guys know uh, this is based on the epic poem by Homer, The Odyssey, um, about the Greek hero Odysseus, who's trying to make his way back to his family after the uh, war in Troy um, from the Iliad. So this movie is like three hours long. It is a TV movie. I must admit, I did see it in school when I was young and I always had a soft spot for it. I always thought it was pretty good. Uh, we have Armin Asante from Judge Dredd, among things, uh, starring as Odysseus. And I gotta say, the casting's really good. Um, he does the part well, and I love the story. If you guys don't know the story, he goes to fight in the Battle Troy, and he's there for ten years, and on his way home, he, he sings in pride about, I did this, I'm a man, we defeated them, and I didn't need any helps of the gods. And uh, Poseidon basically curses him and says you're not going to get home now for a very long time and him and his men get stranded for like an additional 10 years and have to go through all these series of adventures and uh, mishaps uh, including uh, you know a Cyclops who's one of Poseidon's sons and that's a great scene and uh, all, all sorts of things they run into sea monsters and gods and there's a great cast all along the way uh, Vanessa Williams is in here who else pops up Eric Roberts uh, I love Eric Roberts playing a sleazebag He's perfect. Uh, there's some other people. Christopher Lee, uh, a really good scene in Hades he's in. And there's other people, uh, uh, Isabella Rosalini. But I love um, Armin Asante's. Uh, he's a great character, and Odysseus is a great character. I mean, he lo he has a bond. He loves his family. He loves his country. He loves his you know his friends that uh, he goes on this journey with. And you actually feel like a camaraderie between them. Like there is some friendship. There is some love between him and his country and, and his friends and his family. And you you really pull for him. And there's some emotional moments. I know it is 90s cheesy television, but uh, there is some good uh, production design especially for a TV movie and there are some good special effects and they're practical um, from the uh, Jim Henson uh, team they actually have these monsters um, these serpents which are actually excellent in the cave scene where it starts to pick off some of his men um, and that that's really gets bloodier than one would expect the scene with the Cyclops is bloodier than one would expect in this kind of stuff and uh, the end is very satisfa satisfying and I, I, I like the Greek mythology stuff and uh, I, I did read a couple reviews on this and it said like Homer for dummies and that's perfect you know it is. And yeah, it's cheesy and it, it's dated, but it really works for me much more than I would expect. And I, I kind of love it, to be honest. I really enjoy it. And I think uh, a lot of this is, you know, Armin Asante's performance. Uh, you could tell sometimes there's stunt doubles of him, like, and in in like, that's a super muscular guy working and whatnot. But uh, it's a great story. Everybody knows the story and it's a pretty good adaptation. I mean, there is one, I think, from the 50s, um, also in an Italian movie. Um, uh, Ulysses, I think, um, starring Kurt Douglas. And I think I saw that on television as a kid. It's been so long. It's been so long. I can't remember. And I think that is a similar story. It's been so long, like I said. But, yeah, uh, this one, very fun, very entertaining. And uh, for three hours, it goes by pretty quick. I would recommend it. Uh, Eric Roberts is perfect as a slime ball. Christopher Lee does a good, has a nice little role in there. And uh, the monsters are cool. I like it. And they use forced perspective at times. They use some bad, like, kind of, uh, you know, I guess, um, what do you call it? Not green, maybe green screen or, you know, stuff like that at times. But I like it. I think it's cool. There's no special features on there. There's no subtitles and it's DVD only, which are the downfalls. But uh, I would recommend grabbing it. It can't be very expensive. And um, I think it's worth your time, especially if you're into this kind of stuff. It's, it's good.
Entertainment presents. Who are you? I am Odysseus. The greatest adventure of all time. You must make this journey. Set the sails! An epic voyage into worlds beyond imagining. You don't recognize me! An incredible story of wonders beyond belief. All the secrets of the world. I see now you believe. A movie event unlike any you have ever seen before. Me, Odysseus! I conquered Troy! The Odyssey. Classic adventure, delightful, larger than life, a feast for the eyes, irresistible, a major entertainment event. Armanda Sande, Greta Skaki, Geraldine Chaplin, Bernadette Peters, Eric Roberts, Isabella Rossellini. And Vanessa Williams. Your destiny is to become immortal, to have your name on the lips of endless generations. The Odyssey. Okay, the next one I don't have a copy of. It's a cult movie. I watched it on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube for free. And it is... The Six-String Samurai. Uh, this is a post-apocalyptic movie. This is a bizarre movie. I remember one of my friends liked it when we were in high school, and I never, she never got me to watch it. But uh, this is The Six-String Samurai. And this is, uh, I don't even know how to explain this. It's a very 90s, late 90s movie. It has the feel that Tarantino or um, Robert Rodriguez farted on it. it, it not to be an insult, exactly, but it has that feel. Um, it takes place, it, it would be the 50s, and we had nuclear war with Russia. And uh, it turned America into a wasteland, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. So we have this kind of Western samurai setting of the lead character walking through this wasteland, which would have been 50s. And uh, Elvis has died, and everybody's trying to make it to Las Vegas to become the new king, take over Elvis's spot. And the lead is a guitar-playing uh, uh, sam uh, samurai sword welding guy. And just a weird plot. He ends up picking up this kid, helping him out, and they have this relationship, you know, uh, a shaky relationship, you know, the tough guy with the kid he doesn't want to take care of, but he kind of forms a bond with him. It also feels like the Warriors because we have these different kind of styles of bad guys walking around. The first 10 minutes of this movie, I was like, I don't know if I can take this. I hate it. I hate where its tone and style. I just can't get into it. And I'm not really fond of the acting. I think the acting is a little weird. Uh, the fighting is pretty solid, pretty fun. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the 70s like splatter that a samurai movie would have in a lot of them. There's no blood with the samurai sword. Kind of a letdown. Um, the characters are wild and weird and there's some ADR going on. <laughs> on a couple of them which you're just like stop it that's bad but uh yeah it's just a, a unique super movie a weird movie and uh death is also in it he's also killing all the rock and rollers trying to make to las vegas because he's the king uh that whole element adds this weird fantasy level to it that feels like he's like skeletor in the wild west but I feel that you have to watch it to get it, and it's going to either be for you, and you'll be okay with it, or you won't like it at all. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a movie quite like it, and I don't think I'll ever see a movie quite like it, to be honest. It's Six String Samurai. I think it's worth checking out. This is kind of a quickie review. Uh, 
it's it feels like those uh, inspired Tarantino Rodriguez movies from the 90s but completely different and it mixes these aesthetics and styles and theme and not themes but pl- uh, genres that really you don't think could ever be mixed like post-apocalyptic okay and then western you, that could go together and samurai and western go together obviously but then it's like add in that 50s uh, turn and everything and like this weird zany kind of comedy element and you're just like this is bonkers. This is completely bonkers. But uh, that's all I really have to say about that one. Super weird. And you can watch it on YouTube for free. In 1957, the bomb dropped. The last bastion of freedom became a place called Lost Vegas. And Elvis was crowned king. Now his only heir has died. And Vegas needs a new king. And one guitar-picking, sword-swinging wanderer is fighting for the throne. And one lone orphan is along for the ride. And if you scratch my guitar... I'll kill you. Follow the yellow brick road, homie. Do you know who I am? No. You know, we don't get too many new guys around here. A lot of king wannabes on their way to Vegas. You are in Soviet territory. No one goes through. The war is over, baby. It's been over for years. So all you commies, step aside. Neither army. Nor bowlers. Nice tuxedo. Nice tuxedo to die in. Nor death himself. Don't let the four eyes reach Vegas alive. We'll keep them from their quest. I gotta get a new gig. Six-string samurai, and he became a legend. Jeffrey Falcon, Justin McGuire, Six-String Samurai. Okay, guys, this next one is bringing back a segment I haven't done in a while. It is Bronson's Beck. Wait a minute. That ain't, that ain't Charles Bron Robert Kovacs. Who the hell is Robert Kovacs? Okay, guys. This is Death Kiss. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, this uh, Rene Perez uh, director makes these movies with this guy who looks like Charlie Bronson. Uh, this is essentially a remake of Death Wish, at least in the title, Death Kiss. It has some actors that you might recognize. Richard Tyson, Daniel Baldwin. But we have the plot of this uh, vigilante who goes around killing drug dealers and gang members in a violent way. And 
he starts this relationship with this uh, mother and her crippled daughter, giving them money. You, you know something happened right away. You can guess. You can patch it together. Daniel Baldwin is this uh, disc jockey, kind of a you know political analyst that's always on uh, air bitching about uh, the crime in America and whatnot. Daniel Baldwin turns in the best performance in the movie, surprisingly. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but he gives a good performance. He's just seems the most realistic and, and uh, it just delivers his lines while well. I was happy. I was surprised with Daniel Baldwin in this one because, you know, a low-budget movie, some of these actors will come in and be like, yeah, whatever. But he does a good job, good performance. Uh, Richard Tyson is the main baddie and at the end of the movie, he's from Kindergarten Cop and there's something about Mary. He just, I don't know what's going on with him in the end of this thing. It's just like weird. It's just a weird performance. Like, what's going on? Uh, Robert Kovacs, he looks like Bronson um, and it's kind of like, his facial ex- expressions are pretty solid, I guess. They're not horrible, especially when he's trying to do a Bronson impersonation, which he's doing the whole movie. But they dubbed him over. And I don't know why, and I don't understand why. You stole the plot of Death Wish. You stole the look of the lead actor in it, and his style, the way he dresses, everything about the damn movie. And you even stole the gimmick from the remake about the disc jockey and talking about the, the crime happening. But then you decide to ADR him over with a guy who's not doing a Bronson impersonation. Bronson's not the hardest actor to impersonate, to be honest. And I don't understand. Is that where you drew the line? Is that where maybe the people going to sue you drew the line? I don't know, but it's a terrible mistake, and it's a huge mishap. You should have just gave him the Bronson voice. Because the voice they give him is terrible. Uh, and and uh, it says on his internet movie database or letterbox that he can, the actor Robert Kovacs can speak English. So was it like you won't let him deliver his own lines or maybe the ADR didn't pick up and he had to re- he wasn't there to record his lines? But regardless, it is the worst part of the movie is that this terrible ADR. And everybody's like, oh, big deal. It is a big deal. It's just like you, you go that far and then you don't take the extra step. I mean, you, you drew the line or you just, I don't know. I don't understand it. The squibs in the movie are like just basically like water balloons full of gore. I like it. It works. It's fun. Um, I wish they would do that in other movies. I don't mind it. Uh, there are some funny one-liners, but they're kind of destroyed by the terrible ADR voice that's like, yes, that's great. It's like, go fuck your voice, man. That's terrible. I don't know what's going on. Is it like supposed to be a comedy? Is it supposed to be a toxic Avenger? Like, hey, mom, it's me, Melvin. But it's, it's just not, I don't know if it's funny. It's not funny and it's not good. Don't understand it. Uh, there are some like unintentional funny moments, like I said, and that kind of stuff can't could be, but it gets old. All the bad guys in the movie, a lot of them are like just like bodybuilding biker guys. So like in the action scenes, like they're moving like and running. And I don't know whether it's filmed or it's just like they're not very fast. Like they are like strong looking and everything, but like there's like like move, they can't move like right and quick. And it's one thing about the old school actors that a lot of them would do their own stunts, like a Burt Lancaster or a Burt Reynolds or even a Charlie Bronson. They were very athletic. And I'm not saying Robert Kovacs isn't because I don't really know. But the way it's filmed and edited, he doesn't look that athletic. He doesn't look like a, a Charlie Bronson athlete, you know, that would just kind of do that kind of thing. And, you know, that's it. That hurts it as well. I, and and people are like, well, it's not. It's not. It's not Charles Bronson. It's not about. But you're trying to be Charles Bronson, so I'm going to compare you to Charles Bronson. Okay, you want to wear the shoes? You're going to get that. You know what I mean? You can't have the best of both worlds. You can't. You can't steal the guy's face and look and make a movie and then not be compared to him. But uh, it, it's not a great movie. It has some fun moments. I appreciate the splatter and <laughs> it just it is shameless and it must be. It, it's just like so weird and bizarre and i'm not gonna lie 
I do kind of like uh, the idea, maybe. Like, I, I probably would watch, like, fake Burt Reynolds movies or fake John Wayne movies, but I can't I can't lie when I do say it is tasteless. And But at the same time, it is an exploitation movie, and I appreciate Daniel Baldwin's performance, and I appreciate the splatter in it. But uh, it's, it's, I guess, just uh, something that if you have to see, you have to see it, and whatever someone says isn't going to stop you. But that's a death kiss. Remember you said we can take a stroll around the neighborhood when you got back? Can I get the mail? Yeah. Mom! An eye for an eye isn't just revenge. It helps prevent future crimes. What if there was a champion for the innocent? Someone to deliver the kiss of death to the scumbags out there. You're the man who's been sending me this money. I don't know you, man. I still don't know your name. never told me what you do. If you know what I do, you'll never want to see me again. Okay, the next one is a Patreon pick, and it is uh, Maleficent? Or Maleficent? I, I want to say Scent, but I believe it's Maleficent. Maleficent? It's just a hard word for me to say without say finishing it. But uh, yeah, this is a French film, a prison movie, and it is a weird movie, guys. I, I've heard some people talk about it, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I, I was pretty impressed with the setup and the plot. I love prison movies, and uh, this is kind of a demonic kind of style film. Okay, this uh, movie opens up with something happening in a cell involving a ritual of sorts, and something goes crazy and wrong. We fast forward to like modern day, and we have four prisoners sharing this cell. Well, three originally, but one guy, the new guy comes in and we have these four prisoners in here. There's this book that one of the prisoners finds behind the wall and he opens it and he starts to read it. And it's the diary of a serial killer who somehow made this deal in this book and somehow escaped. Uh, the lead guy is in prison for something involving business fraud and he's having troubles outside with his wife and his son. He wants to see his son. One of the other characters is a, is a transsexual or trans person, and they're the most interesting character in the movie to me, the, probably the best actor too, and I like that the idea that they're like trans, but they're constantly the, a man like wanting to be a woman, but he, he's constantly working out in the process, and like just very muscular, and uh, the most aggressive and intimidating of the bunch, uh, and he has huge breasts, but uh, he's like masculine, but also feminine, and it's just a strange kind of character, and 
the most kind of uh, endearing character in the movie. One of the other characters, crazy, um, eats everything he sees. And another one is an old man who snapped at one point and did something horrible. And he is the most mysterious and obviously most untrustworthy of the bunch. But, of course, they start to screw around with the rituals and crazy things happen, including one of the practical effect that's very nasty, including somebody twisting to pieces. And someone else enters the picture that is even more bizarre with the camera. And that's when things get even crazier. But uh, without spoiling too much, it doesn't involve the book it does involve some nasty things at times and some uh you know typical prison things as well but the performances and the characters are all solid they're all interesting and they make these characters a little bit more two-dimensional than a lot of movies of this type would do so uh and uh their demises are pretty cool as well at least a couple of them are but I don't. without spoiling too much, this movie ends like a Twilight Zone episode. It feels like it could be a Twilight Zone episode if you take out some of the more risque things in it. And, and, and I love the ending. And it's just like, oh my god. So like cruel and weird and bizarre, but different. And without giving too much away, I do enjoy the movie. And uh, it's an interesting type of film for sure. And I enjoy it. And I think most people should check it out if you like uh, French films. I believe it's French. It's got to be. And uh, these, I wouldn't call it extreme, but a unique kind of vision and unique horror film uh, involving some things that we have seen before, but kind of mixing two genres that we haven't seen done this way and having some twists that are set up pretty decently. It's, it's all around. It's a pretty good movie and interesting, and I, I liked it. So thanks for the Patreon pick. <laughs> J'ai senti un truc. C'est le journal d'un tout Je suis sur le point de comprendre. L'envers s'est évadé de cette cellule. On peut sortir. Comme lui. Nous approchons. next patreon pick is from my buddy brandon salkill and it is no one lives yes this is a wwe movie guys and um i hadn't seen this um i saw it when it came out i was like wwe can't make movies i was a moron and i probably still am a moron uh see the beginning of the video if you haven't realized that but um yeah no one lives so it's a wwe movie and uh it's way better than expected Okay, uh, I really enjoyed it. We have a group of uh, criminals who end up messing with the wrong person. It's that kind of plot. But there's some twists in here and whatnot. Lee Turgidson is the leader of the criminals. Love Lee Turgidson. He's Beecher from Oz. He's in the uh, prequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. He's in Cast a Deadly Spell. Lee Turgidson's been acting forever. He's a solid actor. And it's strange to me that he plays a criminal a lot of movies or a biker or something like that. Because he doesn't look like he necessarily would play that. But he does a good job every time. So these criminals end up kidnapping this girl and gonna this guy and they're gonna hold them for ransom and get money and steal steal their stuff and discard their bodies. 
but uh, something they find something in this guy's truck that uh, changes everything. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say so far. But it pits these criminals versus this super killer, this almost superhero-esque villain, like not superhero, but super villain kind of character. And he's just a stone-cold killer. And there's a relationship between him and uh, another girl in the movie that uh, has a history with him. And that's also interesting. And, uh, you know, kind of making someone your own and passing on your, you know, your set of skills in that kind of way, like almost like a father-daughter relationship. But the gore effects are really good. Good. Uh, and all around, the criminals are, are mostly despicable, but they build character fairly well, uh, and they have good interactions between each other, and when they get picked off, uh, it's great. Uh, in fact, the first kill of one of the criminals in here is uh, awesome, and what the, the main guy does in this movie also awesome uh it's a good performance by i believe this guy's named luke uh, something i can't think of his name but he does a good performance he's got that certain charisma and scariness about him all around and intensity so I, i've enjoyed his performance uh, the special effects are nasty and gnarly and uh, probably as gory as something like the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Maybe not just as gory, but close. And uh, I'm surprised that a lot of people, more people don't talk about this one. And, and in fact, not many people do talk about it, but everybody who I had heard talk about it always had something good to say about it. Um, and I would recommend it. I think it's cool. Uh, it's a survival movie. And at the end, the kills aren't necessarily as good as the beginning kills, but it's, it gives you what you want. It gives you splatter. It gets you good characters. It gives you good kills. Um, and it's that deal where a lot of despicable characters are going to be killed. And you can't wait for some of them to be killed. The main uh, kind of bad guy, one of them, he's like such a piece of white trash that you just want to kill him right in the beginning of the movie. And uh, he's perfect. And he, he's perfect for that kind of like, I hate you. And he fits the time so well. That kind of like douchey kind of just like trashy, uh, you know, gangster kind of guy. But he's perfect in the movie. Uh, for what he is, that kind of character. And uh, I enjoyed watching the whole thing. There's no real complaints about it. Good stuff. No one lives. Note to self, do not order the fish. Hey there, I'm Amber. Hey, you guys from around here? Please, we don't want any trouble. Don't. Don't. You're not the type. Trust me, I know the type. Don't mind my boy here. His idea of friendliness is to scare the tourists. Where are we? Last place on Earth. Get away from her. Us. 
You should have run while you had the chance. Hey guys, we're here to cover a Patreon pick for the 2006, I want to say. Maybe it's 2011. I can't remember. I'm terrible. Uh, uh, movie, The Divide. Uh, this was released by Anchor Bay, and it's from the director of Frontiers, the French extreme film. Uh, this stars Michael Bean, one of the Arquettes, and uh, Milio, I can never say his last name. Okay, uh, you hadn't seen this one before either, have you? I saw it one more No, I mean, but before this uh, viewing of it. No. Right? Yeah. Uh, this uh, follows the story of a post-apocalyptic kind of deal where uh, there's nukes hitting and everybody's trying to rush down to uh, the basement of this apartment building. So you get like a wide a variety of characters that live in this apartment building. Michael Bean plays the super. He's kind of an angry kind of conspiracy theory asshole who has a bunch of stuff. It's a lot like 10 Cloverfield Lane, to be honest. Yeah, it- <laughs> I know you weren't too big of a fan of this one And I must say this to be honest I was never a big fan of Frontiers Which the French Extreme film Remember it had that big French wave of movies come in And there was Frontiers, Inside, Martyrs, Them um, And what was the other big one? Inside? Did I say Inside? Oh, High Tension of course Which is when they mm. kickstarted it But I always thought Frontiers was just smorgasbord Stolen and stole from every movie And I know mm-hmm. usually it's taking inspiration It's not like necessarily a death sentence on a movie But it just felt very trite And it just drove me nuts And I'm, I'm probably being harsh on the movie Because I thought it had a certain style But again, The Divide has like It starts off great And it has a lot of style mm-hmm. But like a lot of these post-apocalyptic movies It, it becomes a little repetitive it's a little bit repetitive. It it's nothing I I guess I haven't seen before, and it, it introduces some really cool concepts in the first half, and then doesn't do anything with them. There's well, they explain a little bit, which is strange about this one. Well, the first beginning of this one, it, mm-hmm. it starts. Well, they're all trying to get in the basement, and we have this uh, thing, and immediately right away we realize there's an outsor- out, outside presence after them. And they go, they go to sneak out. These people come in, actually, in these, mm-hmm. like, kind of high-tech suits. And you're thinking, is this some sort of strange evasion? Is there some sort of, like, disease going around? Right. You're not really necessarily 100% sure what's happening here. And apparently Suzu wants in this review. But um, after that, it kind of leaves that all alone. And it turns into the second half of the movie, which is almost a two-hour movie, into a character study between all these characters, which I have no problem with, but it's weird that they introduce this element to it and then completely leave it be. Right. They, they, they introduce this outside element. Um, you never know what exactly happened with like the actual like nuclear explosion to begin with. Well, it, it opens with it, but you don't know who set it off. And there's this segment where like one of the characters, like they take one of the radioactive suits and he... he He's going to go outside because they, they take a little girl yeah. that was in the shelter with them. And so he goes outside and it's like, oh, everything is like the door to like where they're hiding in is like contained within like a, a tunnel, like a tent tunnel. And he goes and he's like in like a secret lab and like all It's all action packed. And- yeah. And, and I'm thinking like when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. They're like... Like, they're going to, like, all put on these suits, and they're going to, like, I'll go explore this, you know, whatever society or people or aliens or different country, and 
you know, it's going to be fun, and, you know, there's going to be a shoot 'em up Nah, he just ran back inside, and then they just were just kind of, like, sitting and pouting for another two And hours. you paid for a movie with guns. I didn't, I didn't pay for this. <laughs> I, I didn't even finish it. No, stop that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't mind not knowing. Mm-hmm. I like not knowing everything. That's not really the problem. The problem is, it's just strange to introduce that and not do anything with it when there's a million reasons why they could be locked in the basement. It's almost like a, a story that goes around, and it's not about that. It just distracts from what the story's about and adds about 20 minutes that doesn't need to be in the movie. And at the second half of this movie, there's lots of arguments between them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And the funny thing is, there's pretty good acting all around, especially from um, the two guys that kind of start to take over and mm-hmm. their friends. And one's Milo, and the other guy is starts off as like douchey, weird, and he becomes this terrifying presence in there that is completely because they start to lose their mind. And his presence is actually great, and he's like out of it. And when he, after he has to hack up the body, and at the end of the movie when he starts to kind of intimidate the guy, I was like, this he's really great in this, and he probably mm-hmm. gave one of the stronger performances in the film. But that stuff is there, but it doesn't seem like it needed the other stuff. And it's like two movies combined into one, and one never finishes. And all the psychological stuff feels like it happens over a long period of time, which it should. But also at the same time, it feels like they could have cut it down majorly. And the lead character, not a bad actress, but also the least interesting character in the movie. And Mm -hmm. her character was great because of her humanity. That was the only thing she had going for it. And this movie's a downbeat movie. And it's kind of, I guess that may be the point. But after that, after the end of the movie, she doesn't even have that. So it's like kind of a boring character in a way compared to the other people. It's a boring character, and, and the, the people trapped in a room, the cabin fever set up, like, it, it's a boring movie to me. I guess, I, you know, you see it once, you see it. Yes, but that's a, it's typical, and I like that. Like, think about it in, like, Night of the Living Dead. It's great. That's a siege movie. There's something on the outside. But right. I don't mind the cabin fever deal. It's just that here I think the psychology wasn't necessarily the most realistic thing and it portrays itself as it is like i right I, what the bad people losing their mind i see but what the lead actress does and mm-hmm. what her boyfriend does at the end when she he's conflicted with something yeah. just seems nonsensical and when we have the two male kind of who should be heroes they're both very similar they're both ineffective and they're both not really needed as characters if they're going to do the same kind of deal mm-hmm. they're almost the same character and they like try to cancel each other out at one point it's just like why are they both here? They're the same character, they're both useless, and they just kind of add in an element. I know why they're there. They're there just for that one scene, and it's mm-hmm. just not worth the, the, the that scene's not worth it. it. It should have been a science fiction. Let's get these guys to drop the bomb movie instead. It was, uh, I do like it. The I do boring th- parts of Dawn of the Dead. I There's no boring parts of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> I do think that there is some great performances, and I actually do like the movie. And I think that Michael Bean is really the strongest point of the movie. And the movie actually takes a nosedive when he's tied up. Hey, absolutely. Because you're like, oh, I mean, and, and that's a thing from the character. It's just she's not in, that intelligent. Like, she should have done something a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I, Michael Bean is a great actor. He brings right. that intensity, and he is an asshole, but he's kind of right in a way, even if he is kind of bad. And I, I would say right when they tie up Michael Bean. It's pretty much when the movie kind of... That, that's when it's like, oh, this is what we're doing now. And yeah. I think that's when I checked out. Because, like, cause it happens like pretty far into the movie. And I'm like, okay, so... 
and maybe I'm being wrong. Maybe the psychology is better than I'm giving it. It's not even the psychology that happens to the characters. It's how the main actress reacts to it, which bothers me. Like, I don't think. I think, like, she's a better character. She should be a better character than that. She should take it into her hands before it gets that bad. Because she's always keeping the wits about her, but she just doesn't do anything. And then at mm-hmm. one point they throw this left, like, curve at you, like, <coughs> about her character. Where, like, you remember you find out that one detail about her, I don't want to say it, at the end when her boyfriend's arguing with her and they just throw it out there and they're like, oh, I guess that's just pointless. And I feel like this is the kind of same way, like, I don't want to say this, but a lot of, like, foreign directors when they come in, like, they, like when the language barrier, something's missing in translation when they're making American movies that doesn't necessarily work. Is this a foreign movie? No, or? it's by a foreign director, though. Oh, okay. Michael Bean steals the show, and so does uh, the performance by Emilio and his friend. The guy who plays his friend is terrifying and creepy and just completely out there. And I, I think that they're good. Mm-hmm. And the special effects are good. Yeah. The action's good when it's there. Mm-hmm. I think it's a well-made movie. I, anything wrong with it comes from the script. I think the first half of the movie is really good. And then, I I, I don't know. it. I think like that after they tie up Michael Bean and they, the movie goes on... I lost interest. I checked out. I was. It was a lot of sitting around feeling sorry for ourselves. Hey, let's all be mean to each other. Oh, shit, everything fell apart. I, I do like, though, at the very end when it gets crazy, even though the character does something that's just like, oh, roll, I roll when the one mm-hmm. guy does the thing. But when Michael Bean's screaming, <laughs> I think that mm-hmm. they shoot that really in an adrenaline kind of pumping way. And I like when he shows that act of kindness mm-hmm. because, like, I don't know. When sometimes, when a horrible situation, when somebody shows an act of kindness, it makes it it seem a little bit more realistic at times. I don't know because this movie's so cruel the whole time, and then it's just like that moment he gives the guy the blanket. I was like, so all around, I did enjoy it. I think it's a well made movie, and I know that uh, Rebecca McKendry she does uh, the Shockwaves podcast. She watched it the first time and she really liked it, and then she came back and revisited it, and she was like, mm. so maybe in like when it came out originally, mm-hmm. it was just more fitting with the time. That could be it. Like with the whole. That's uh, the wind because it's crazy outside. But more fitting with the time, and as time progressed, like it just doesn't hold up. But I still think it's a well-made movie. I just don't think that the script it, it can be aggravating. I mean, it it looks fine. It it looks good. Yeah, I, I yeah. might I may be one of those guys that's guilty of being annoyed by things characters do that like ends in a bad situation, like Eden Lake. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody likes that movie, but for some reason, like, to me, like, yeah, it's well shot, it's well acted, but the character, th- it's it's one of these deals where it says, doesn't humanity suck? Let me show you how humanity real it really is, mm-hmm. and then show you a set of circumstances that are completely nonsensical, and throw you in a world with characters that aren't human, to me. Yeah. Like, doesn't humanity suck? Watch these kids who act like actual monsters who aren't human at all. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just being unfairly judgmental about it. But I've always had problems with movies that say, hey, it's a movie, but also we want you to feel like it's real. And you can't have the best of both worlds. Right. And, and you know, and I've always been, like, I'm, I'm a person of, like, modern creature comforts. Yeah. Like, when the aliens come, when the bomb drops, vaporize me. Just get me out of there. I'm, I'm not fucking rebuilding society. I'm not fighting for my country. I, no, no, just... I, I mean, dust, I'll, I'll dust fight for in the my wind. country. 
And, I mean, maybe. As long as we maybe. have something to fight for. But if it comes to the point where we're in Mad Max territory, I'm eating dog food. Yeah, no, I'm or done. Like, I'm eating my dog. Like, we gotta yeah. eat my dog today. And, like, if I'm, like, stranded on an island or stranded in some polar, like, exp- a place where I know rescue could come or I could live, right. I'll fight. But if right. it's the end of the world and, like, if I make it out of this shitty city, there's another shitty city waiting for me... No, I'm not eating my dog. No, I'm not going to rape and pillage everything. Maybe right. for a couple of days it was fun. Right, then, right. But it gets old pretty quick. Hang myself off a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't mean earlier when I said movies that want to be realistic, but then be false at the same time. I mean, movies that want to be realistic and be a movie at the same time and get away with doing stuff that they say this is real, but it's bullshit, and mm-hmm. then be a movie and say, well, it's a movie. It's like, no, but you're, you're being, you say this is serious, but it's all bullshit. That, that right. drives me nuts. Right. Well, and no, I think that's where I'm at with this movie. It's like, I don't understand like the will of these people, like where it's coming from, because I don't know what happened outside. Yeah. They, they never inform, like, Well, neither do they. I, Yeah. And I think that's more like I want to know what happened. Well, that that, that was the movie I wanted to that watch. That doesn't matter to me. That, that, never that, that, to me. that is Closure doesn't everything. matter in a movie like this. Closure, it's not closure. closure. It's not closure. It's premise. If your premise is everything, everybody's just in a room and they're shitty to each other versus like, oh, this, this is a narrative of, like this is an actual narrative. This is, this is a story with like a beginning, you know, a middle works up to a climax. Like, like, that's a narrative. Yeah, I understand. This you said not, if we find out what's on the outside, there's a chance of survival and life going on elsewhere, like 28 days later. Like, that, oh, there's life everywhere. I want yeah. to fight. But if it's bad everywhere, it's like, what's the point? What's the point? You Why know, be like, so cruel to each other when we're going to die anyways? Right. And, you know, and this is what, 2006, you said? 2008? Maybe 2011, it might Maybe. be, too. Yeah. I can't remember what the world was like back then. I know I was pretty miserable. And now I'm more miserable. But now my misery is justifiable. But um, pass on this movie. I like it. Pass on. I'd this say movie. Mm, check it out. But uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I bet if I get somebody in here who hates it too, and like they start working on me, I might be able to not watch it. Like Ex Machina. Like I was like, oh, that was really well shot and well acted, except for the lead. I really like Oscar Isaacs and everything. And then like. There's a couple things that bother me, and then as I progress, and a lot of people are telling me other things, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, or yeah, what's the point of that, or yeah, this feels very typical. It's just well made, and it's trying to act like it's something special. Like I might lose interest. We have to keep it civil for your audience, you know, because I, I would change your mind in a heartbeat. Exactly. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done. Yeah, zero stars. Not even technically a movie. A, it's technically well made. B, you can't give zero stars. If you start giving zero stars, it ruins the, the rating system. There's no such thing as a zero stars. You can't start giving off the rating system or there's no point of a rating okay, system. Okay, there was an hour and a half of just a guy like putting a Lego up his ass. Would you give it one star or zero? Half a star. Half a star. No, zero stars zero. does not constitute this, as a film. Michael Bean is at least worth a star. Mike, yeah, Michael Beam, like, circa, like, 1990? Yeah, he's worth half a star. You take that back now, but I am not taking anything back. He's a saint. Zero stars. Go watch 28 Days Later. Go watch Dawn of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah, but All skip, those zombie movies. skip the boring parts of Dawn of the Dead, according to Jeremy. There, there is a good, like, hour and a half chunk <laughs> in the middle. You're like, what, what is this? What is this music? What's this montage? Darla, that's the best. All right, yeah. we're out of here. <laughs> All right. What do you want?
up survivors in a building. Do you copy? I want to go home. We just have to be patient, okay? And then it'll get better outside. Have you looked at us? We're dying in here. What do you want to do, Josh? I bet you're just waiting for one of us to die so you can have all the food that you can eat. What's going on? I'm rationing the supplies. It's not your call. Well, groups break down into self-interest during times of scarcity. <laughs> Josh! Just keep pushing and making you can see what happens. Help me! Okay, this next Patreon pick comes from Dustin Mills, and it is Duel to the Death. Okay, this is a crazy, weird movie. Uh, it is... Uh, I don't even know how to get into this one. Dustin pitched it as me as it's a movie with all the kinds of ninjas you'd want. Uh, regular ninjas, ninja monks, giant ninjas, invisible ninjas, naked ninjas, uh, naked female ninjas. And it was just like... I got to see that. So he was like, all right, that's the one I'm picking for you. Uh, this movie basically pits China uh, versus Japan in the ultimate fight, the martial arts fight. We have the Chinese like monks who kind of do a more Kung Fu style thing. And we have the Japanese who have their own fighting styles. And the whole movie is they're supposed to meet uh, the two best warriors supposed to be picked and meet and fight to the duel and the death to determine who has the uh, stronger martial artist uh, or martial arts, China or Japan. So we have these two who are chosen out from both sides of the country. And I believe that China is probably the more uh, heroic of the two in the film. And they're supposed to meet in this secret place where uh, these other two, this, this older martial arts in this temple took place. And, and the leader of that kind of seems a little bitter at times. And he has a daughter who also wants to compete and, and prove herself as the best martial artist ever. But there's some weird things going on. Somebody on the Chinese side, or not the Chinese side, but the Japanese side, and somebody in that temple is up to no good. So these bad guys are being sent after them, and a bunch of fight scenes ensue. Uh, yeah, that's the basic plot of the movie. Uh, there's lots of crazy fight scenes and weird things going on, uh, including f like people just flying through the air, invisible ninjas, this one giant ninja. And essentially, anyone who's invited to the fight starts to be like kidnapped, so they won't actually show up to the fights it is a super weird movie and like the motivations of some of the characters you're like okay i i but uh of course the two uh fighters want to prove themselves and be honorable and the japanese guy will stop at nothing to start and finish this brawl the fight scene at the end is actually really great i like how it ends um it's a pretty cool way to end the movie it has some scenes that are pretty gory uh unfortunately you only can watch it dubbed on amazon prime which is the way i saw it so uh dubbing is is pretty bad not as bad as uh you know fake charlie bronson or bargain bronson um 
Bargain Bronson's vo uh, ADR voice, but uh, bad enough, you know, in the Asian movies dub, they never particularly turn out very well. But uh, it's entertaining. It's weird as hell. Uh, the first half is a little slower than I would expect it. I, I mean, I, it's not slow. Don't get me wrong. But the second half makes up for it because it gets even crazier and there's lots of fight scenes. And uh, I've been watching a lot of Kung Fu and Karate and Asian movies lately. So, like, this movie is pretty off the goddamn walls. But it wasn't as off the walls after watching, like, the Sister Street Fighter movies. I'm like, oh, that guy has no legs. He's, he's been faking it the whole time. No big deal to me. <laughs> like, I know that's probably a crazy plot point in a lot of other movies. But I was just like, used to it. Uh, but it's entertaining, and uh, if you like this kind of stuff, you should see it. Um, I think it's like one of the last uh, big movies of its kind, to be honest. But good stuff. Lots of ninja action if you like ninjas. Uh, scrolls and all sorts of things going on. Asian culture. Uh, very fun. Very cool. Good stuff. Yeah! 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 
Okay, guys, the next one is the VHS Voyage. I don't have a copy of this. In fact, I actually might have a copy of this, but I think it's in storage, and I did not want to look for it. It is Night of the Juggler. Uh, this is not a horror movie. This is uh, kind of like, uh, I guess, a thriller action kind of style. This stars James Brolin, father of Josh Brolin. Uh, James Brolin's in The Car and uh, Gas Food Lodging and uh, Westworld. Yeah, James Brolin, good actor. A uh, guy I wish I did see more movies with. This also stars Dan Hyaya and uh, some other familiar faces in here. But Night of the Juggler, uh, I, I wanted to see this because I believe Pure Cinema Podcast talked about it a lot. The movies that made me talked about it. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, this movie starts off. Pretty exciting right off the bat. We have this kind of crazy guy who's eating in a diner and he's messing with his food and makes it look like a little smiley face. Just in, you can tell the guy's insane. He has like some taxi driver Travis stuff going on with him. He decides that he's going to, without spoiling too much, he kidnaps the wrong kid. He kidnaps James Brolin's kid. He's a trucker, ex-cop. But James Brolin's not going to stand for this. He sees it, and it starts this, like, 20, 30-minute chase where he basically breaks the law everywhere. He steals cars. He smashes cars. He puts people's lives in danger. And a lot of the people driving the cars, the cars he steals them, are crazy characters. Uh, this Hispanic guy who's really weird and this priest who's very strange as well. But he ends up losing uh, losing sight of them, and he gets involved with the police, and he was an ex-cop. So we have this one character in here, this lieutenant, who's actually a pretty uh, entertaining character, this heavyset Italian guy. Great character, actually. And uh, he is a little bit more sympathetic than a lot of the other cops, but Brolin ends up being uh, escaping from the police uh, headquarters and going after him again and figuring out and piecing together and figuring out who this guy is. And then that's when we start to get backstory on, um, you know, we, we heard da his daughter has a, you know, a nice little story going on. Uh, she feels like she's a little overweight and whatnot. And the guy who kidnapped her has a story as well. And he's a very uh, racist kind of crazy person, but in a way he is a little sympathetic. He's very Norman Bates ish. If that guy, I don't want to spoil too much, but he has a Norman Bates kind of vibe or mentality about, him and this movie is definitely dirty sleazy new york city and uh there's a great scene between james brolin and his ex-wife and they're yelling at each other it kind of shows a lot of their history and a lot of who they are but uh brolin is uh you know he's a goddamn stud running through here doing all this stuff and it's just uh very uh it's a pleasure to watch you know an actor kind of you know get physical and do a lot of this stuff and have charisma all about him and it's just an adventure movie that doesn't really let up um dan hyaya is a cop who has a vendetta against brolin and he is an asshole. Like a lot of these characters will have that moment where you're like, he's going to come around and do the right thing. He needs to be executed on the spot. He's just a horrible, slimy piece of shit. Um, but he's really good at it. I mean, he does his job very well. But uh, it's entertaining. It never lets up. And uh, it paints two interesting characters. Um, and at the end of the movie, you can't help to think what's going to happen to some of them. You're like, what? what's going to happen? Um uh, but entertaining, never lets up, don't want to spoil too much, but uh, all around just a solid movie that's pretty hard to be, be to be seen. You might have to watch a TV rip or on YouTube or something, but recommend it. If you can find it, watch it. It's good. The Saturday movie will continue after these messages. Daddy's little girl is missing. How are you going to find her? Somebody took her. Somebody's gonna pay. You wanna see your kid alive again? Daddy will make sure of that. Daddy! You're giving me a million bucks, you'll never see your kid again. James Brolin, a broadcast premiere. 
Night of a Juggler. Sunday night at 6, only on Channel 11. Okay, the next one is the Pick a Movie, and it's Matt, uh, Matt Godfrey, and this is November. Um, yeah, I'd heard about this one a bit. Uh, this is an Estonian horror film from... Uh, I've never even seen a movie from that country, and it's one of those deals where I think this is the first one that's probably made it broadly over here that's been talked about, at least in the circle of people I listen to and know. But uh, November. Oh, I don't even know where to start with this one. This is uh, takes place in medieval times, uh, and this is one of these deals where this movie, uh, this country has its own folklore, and own history, and own like my, like mythology that I don't understand, and I don't grasp it. Uh, and on top of that, I'm sure it's a strange movie anyways. But this world that is painted is filled with witchcraft and filled with supernatural things. And there's these things called krats or krats where you take your soul and you sell it to the devil who you meet in the woods. And this weird, uh, uh, over like uh, rambunctious, kind of louder than li- larger than life character that, who's the devil comes out and he uh, takes your soul. And you put, you get uh, to animate an uh, inanimate object to do your bidding. Uh, so there's these strange things walking around, like um, a rake all made of all these different tools that will do things for you. And uh, at one point, somebody does one to a snowman. And uh, it involves some beautiful moments where the snowman is talking about how he used to be water and his history and past. Really interesting. But this is a love story. It is a warped, twisted love story in a warped and twisted world. Uh, we have this uh, boy who's in love with this, uh, this lower class boy who's in love with this kind of high class uh, woman. And then we have another low-class woman who is in love with that boy. So we have a love triangle going on. And this kind of reminds me, I guess, of what would you say, like, Lemez, you know, that love triangle in Lemez, where we have, uh, I can't think of the characters' names, but that's definitely kind of in that vein where we have a love triangle going, where one doesn't know the other one loves them. But uh, the woman, the the girl who loves the boy will want to do anything to get him, and the boy will do anything to get the other girl. But I don't even think the the high-class girl knows anything about the boy, to be honest. So, and... Uh, uh, Laser uh, from the Human Centipede movies plays uh, the girl's father. So, yeah, just a weird movie with lots of spells going on. And it's it's tragic. It ends very tragically. Uh, it's all black and white, so the cinematography it doesn't necessarily mean it will be good, but in this one, it actually is good. The composition looks great, you know, with a lot of trees and stuff like that, and a lot of atmosphere and lots of beautiful, you know, old buildings going on. So it's always a pleasure to look at, and not necessarily it's not the easiest movie to follow. It's not something that you would put on when you're ready for bed or something to relax to. It's just weird and at times unsettling and not necessarily very easily understood. So I can't really like highly recommend the movie. It's one that I wouldn't like give a rating. It's just uh, something that is unique and different. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, a cinephile or film fan or somebody that likes strange movies would want to be check it out and, and watch it. I just can't really, uh, you know, get behind it 110% because it's so damn weird and I've only seen it once. But regardless, it is an interesting uh, piece. Uh, it looks great for sure. Uh, the story is a love story added with these weird different mythology and folklore that I don't know, but also I'm intrigued by at the same time. But uh, just a weird, strange movie. In November, I would I would recommend checking it out if you like the off-the-wall kind of weird artsy stuff. It is very artsy at the same time, and you know it doesn't always follow logic at all, of course. But when you have magic and things like that, logic is not really the, the, the most you know forefront thing. But that is November. Push on Sharmus. 
Kõrvi teile, klati hing mulle. Ajaga püksid maha ja endale pähe, siis katmud lõpetoolete kahe pärssega inimesed ja neid ta ei julge puutuda. Iga ühel peab midagi olema või veel parem keegi. Mulle on keegi. Marmor, valge jume, otse kui sametis tõmmeldud huule, seemelju armastab seda. Issand Jeesus Kristus Jumala põhjus, Heida, Herra! Ta on olla tema naine. Kas sa saad teha nii, et ta temast lõubuks ja mind armastaks? Üks, mida me kohe teha võime, on see, et tapame ära Hansu praegusega. Ilm on ju nii ilus. Mis Lilli saa vanamõt veel novembri kuus korjad. Okay, guys, let's do the pick-a-movie. Ray Strop, I think, won last week. He hasn't got to me yet, but hopefully he will. Or I'll send him. I'll find him. I'll find you. But, uh, who do we got? We have Brian Nielsen. Let me close this up and I'll... Show it to the camera for proof, because I don't want to be accused of lying. But uh, Brian Nielsen, there you go. Let me know what you want me to watch, and I'll get on it ASAP. I think we're going to, um, I guess I'll show you guys, oh, yeah, I'll show you guys what the Patreon guys are going to get. Uh, for next week, I'll draw. Anybody that's uh, donated in the month of March will be entered to win uh, two Kino Lorber Westerns. Uh, brand new, uh, the re uh, reason to live, a reason to die, with James Colburn, Bud Spencer, and Telly Savalas as a baddie. Pretty cool movie, man on a mission kind of movie, suicide mission. And the Revengers, another kind of man on a mission suicide movie. And this one's got Woody Strode, William Holden, Ernest Borgnine. So yeah, this one's really cool. I really like this one. They're both pretty solid. I think I reviewed them both in the past. I would recommend checking them both out. But that's what the the prize will be. I'll draw next week. And uh, if you're interested, Patreon links below. Um, there always be prizes every month. You can uh, do a pick a movie. You can do all sorts of things. So just, um, yeah, uh, if you're interested, the link's below. I guess we're going to hop into the questions. All right. Peter Engelin, which horror movies are very important for reviving the, the genre? Since the 90s, in my opinion, Scream is definitely one of them. And the one I mentioned before. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say, I don't remember what he mentioned before. I must have missed that part of the question. But Scream, for sure, uh, definitely revived it. But when people say it revived the genre a lot of times, I don't necessarily think it revived the genre in a way that people say that. I think it changed the course of the genre. Like, 
when stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Night of the Living Dead, you know, Last House on the Left came out, they changed the course of the genre. They changed the, uh, the history of what horror would have been. Uh, you know, universal movies to certain movies. Like, we, we were a lot of Hammer, kind of Gothic-style movies. And then, like, those movies came out and American horror films kind of altered. So I would say, like, Texas Chainsaw, Night of the Living Dead, Last House on the Left. They changed a lot, you know, like kind of that exploitation or harsh, harsh kind of films. But Scream definitely changed the genre. And, you know, I don't love Scream as much as a lot of people. I understand its importance and I, I get it, you know. But... I understand that it changed the genre, but for me, it changed the genre for worse. Like, like it revived it. Yeah, it gave like a lot of steam behind it, but the movies that came out afterwards weren't any anything I was really interested in. Not to say it. And nowadays, uh, we can thank Scream for probably some movies I really enjoy. But at that initial movies that came out after Scream, I was like, oh no, not for me. Um, I just don't like floating head movies. But I understand it's important. And nowadays, um, there's movies made every day that are inspired by Scream that I do enjoy. So thank you, Scream, to a certain extent. But um, then there's stuff like Hostel and Saw, which had a bunch of movies that were inspired by it. Or sometimes like these indie gross-like-out movies would come out. Like August Underground definitely changed the underground film forever in a lot of ways. But, I mean, it, there was movies like that kind of around the same time or before, like uh, Snuff Films of Perversion, Snuff Perversions, and like Dirty Cop No Donut, or Man Bites Dog had that kind of similar plot but it, it it really didn't like kick in to overdrive until after august underground then we had a lot of that kind of stuff going on but there's also like hostile and saw kind of changed like that people would say torture porn and nowadays we have stuff like the witch and it follows and hereditary that have this like art kind of horror style to it they definitely inspired it blair witch kind of changed it people would say paranormal activity because the found footage aspects but there's movies that were made years ago that for some reason people watch now and then they make a bunch of movies after. But, you know, and like as far as like the late 60s, early 70s, I would say like stuff like that Night of the Living Dead pretty much changed American horror film forever. And, you know, you think in Italian films, you think Bird with the Crystal Plumage because Giallo's. So there's all sorts of movies that change different countries, origins and whatnot movies. But, yeah. And even like the Japanese ghost stories that came over here, they changed a lot to let make Americans making ghost stories again. So there's that. Uh, Nick Mua, is there any genre of film you really dislike or even hate? I'm not particularly fond of floating heads movies. Like I said, that's a subgenre, but I just don't care for them. Like Scream's cool, Scream 2 I, I don't uh, mind, Urban Legend okay. Faculty Count, I guess that one's okay. But like some of the other ones, it's like, it's like no, I just don't want to watch them. Um, I'm not too big into musicals, 50s musicals. I don't know much about them, and I don't know if I could get into them. I'm not, uh, I'm not anti them or not willing to try them. It's just not something I'm familiar with, and it just doesn't look like it appeals that much to me. But when we take musicals in a modern movie or a goofy, like and mix it with another genre, like I like like poultry guys i like um uh, south park the movie uh i like like modern musicals even that stage fright movie i thought was very fun why are there so many horror films pg nowadays pg-13 nowadays what do you think of this trend i i think it's just because um the target audience of who goes to the theater has changed i mean i've heard this other times mentioned it i agree with it back in the day you wanted that r rating like look at the opening of student bodies student bodies and the opening it's a it's a parody and they say they tell us that we can't get an r rating unless there's any explicit violence or explicit language in this movie so fuck you because they wanted the r rating because that's the what was making the money now pg-13 makes the money so that's where they want their rating the studios want the rating i'm not saying the filmmakers so um what do you think of this trend i think it's kind of you know it's all about the dollar, unfortunately. That's just the way it's going to be. It's kind of pointless to complain about it. Uh, should all films have a message or deeper meaning? Why or why not? Not always. Um, sometimes I think that if a movie consciously has that message and it's beaten over your head a hundred times, it gets annoying. Uh, sometimes I 
think uh, I prefer the subconscious messages. Like people just make a movie from the heart and it's in there. And it's just in there because it's in there and they don't even necessarily mean it to be in there. But I know Del Toro and Romero puts their stuff in there and I never feel like it's beating me over the head with it. Uh, sometimes there does need to be a message on certain things, but um, when that's all they're there for, when that's all they're there to do, I guess, it's just like, I don't know. It doesn't work sometimes. Sometimes when it's too forced, it never works. Or if maybe the filmmaker doesn't get the message themselves and they're trying to force feed it down somebody's throat. It's a delicate way. I don't think every movie needs a message, no. Um, some That's why they have popcorn movies and blockbusters, you know. They don't all need a message. And sometimes playing, making fun of everybody who has a message is a good enough message in itself. Uh, answers. Um, this is from last week. Uh, the week before I asked, what was your favorite subgenre of Italian films? I, this week I asked a different question, but 80s film fans came in a little late. To answer your question, my favorite Italian subgenre is definitely the jungle cannibal movies. I absolutely love them and wish more were made. Having said that, zombie flicks are a very close second. Zombie, aka Zombie 2 Flesh Eaters, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely in my top three and four. And that's a good top. That movie's great. Uh, getting to the second page of answers for, uh, have you ever lost interest in horror movies and why? Derek Bourgeois, the thing that took, uh, took me out of horror a few years ago was the period when it was nothing but remakes coming out and no original ideas or stories. I could see you there. Jonathan Wilhelm, there was a time a few years back when I just got burnt out on them. The same crap was being released over and over. But this was also the time when you couldn't order movies off Amazon very easily, so the obscure classics were out of my reach. Yeah. Matt Brown, my answer for the question is I shortly fell out of love with uh, with horror when Scream came out. Not a fan of meta and found it to have hurt the genre in ways. I like meta, but I completely understand what you mean. Like I, I like after Scream, like a bunch of people that weren't half as clever were making that stuff. So I could see that. Peek and Boo. Question of the week. It actually depends. Some movies have made me feel like I do not care anymore about horror, but there are so many that I haven't had time to watch that my interest is still up there. I have a really soft spot for exorcism or a demonic slash possessed movies because as a for a slasher you just kill the killer but in any of these subgenres do you really know that you want the tear the demon slash ghost may just possess someone else it is scary for me at least okay domino d uh can't say that i ever lost interest in horror i tend to mix up what i watch so i don't burn out on anything that's a good idea i've started doing that more often myself peter england i think i've never lost interest in horror movies uh in the 90s, it was not in its high peak in the movie making, but then I discovered Dario Argento and Mikhail Suave at the time. There are always unique horror movies to be found that keeps me interested, even in the 90s or in the new millennium, with those torture porn craze, with, which is actually not my style of genre I like. Never ever seen the sequels of Saw or only Jigsaw. But it also spawned new horror movies, which is cool. You just have to look for those beautiful gems. That's, that's what keeps us going, I think. Most horror fans keep going, or fans of film in general, to find that gem. And that's what we all do. It's on the hunt. It's on the hunt. Those videos through days come back. Gotta find it. Gotta find it. Uh, Nick Mua. I never lost interest in horror movies. For every stinker, there's a good film out there, too. Through the early 2000s, did feature a lot of lame remakes. Okay, guys. Uh, let's get into the question of the week. Uh, this kind of Nick Mua asked about genres coming back uh, last week. But I want to know what genre has disappeared or suffered the most in the last decade. 
war western film noir uh you might think it's horror movies is it action movies i think action movies have suffered greatly with the introduction of cgi not because cgi is terrible or anything but with those movies when you have this crazy uh chase and then you add cgi into it it's already hard enough to believe but when you see somebody doing it for real you're like i can buy it i can buy it like in the like the getaway or something crazy like that you're like i'm buying it because they're actually doing it or uh dirty uh mary crazy larry but now if there's like flying through the sky you're like it's cgi I don't know. It just kind of sucks the life out of it for me. But uh, I guess we're going to hop into the update. Okay, guys, let's get into this update. Uh, we have first from Scream Shout Factory, the Clove Hitch Killer. Heard good things about it. Wanted to check it out. Dylan McDermott. Uh, supposed to involve a serial killer story. Um, sounded good to me. Um, yeah, wasn't very expensive. Wanted to check it out. Looked good to me. Uh, we have one from uh, Scorpion, or Ronin Flicks. This is Fred Williamson, Pam Greer, Tony King. Uh, Bucktown, yeah. Part of their MGM deal. Uh, like Fred Williamson, love Pam Greer, like Tony King. Always will love Tony King from Cannibal Apocalypse and um, The Last Hunter. Then we have another one from uh, Ronin Flicks. This is the Curse 3 Blood Sacrifice with Christopher Lee. Uh, another part of the MGM deal. I can't wait to far part four to come out as well. The Curse series is one of the most bizarre series. I don't think I've ever seen part three, but one and two are weird enough. And uh, they're all unrelated. Then we have one from Rero Films. This is Hallucination Strip. Uh, not seen this. Looks super weird. Uh, Bud Quartz in it. Italian film, of course, from Rero. Then we have Play Motel. This is one of the only ones I really wanted for a long time from them with Ray Lovelock. Heard it is a super sleazy giallo and not necessarily like hybrid. So yeah, Play Motel. Then we have uh, from Hamilton Books, Dirt Cheap, Condemned. It was only like four or five bucks. I don't know why. Just just sounded interesting. Like, um, you know, kind of a siege movie. Isolated, trapped in an area. Like that stuff. Another one from Hamilton, Mel Gibson, Payback, the director's cut. Never seen it. Uh, heard good things. And this is one of those deals where I saw like parts of it on TV and never finished it. James Colburn's in it, so that's always good. Uh, this one right here. Uh, this is one of my dad's favorite movies, and I never watched it. Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. Yeah, I think this is like every old man's favorite movie, so there we go. Then we have one I got at uh, Family Video. This is five bucks. I have the uh, digital of it, but I didn't have the Blu-ray, so I decided to grab it. Mother. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, definitely going to require another viewing to kind of come to my full, you know, what I think of it. But we have another one, uh, Johnny Gruesome. Uh, this is, uh, what is it, Gary or Greg Lambertson. And I know that Seb uh, knows that director, my friend Seb, and I believe he has a small role in this one. So, yeah, Johnny Gruesome. Good price at Family Video. Looks fun. Looks cool. Yeah, can't wait to check that out. Then we have The Witch Files. This is a dark sky. Pretty cheap from Family Video, obviously. We have, what is it, Quarries. Again, cheap. They just keep coming. Yeah, don't know much about it. I think it's just a, a bunch of girls out camping, get hunted by a bunch of creeps, and they fight back. Sounds cool. And this one looks super silly. Par, a bus party to hell. Uh, maybe I have this one. I don't think I do, but it was cheap. Wanted to check it out. Didn't uh, Ralph uh, so-and-so do this one? And his movies are hit and miss for me, but I think I like The Black Room quite a bit. That one looks fun, so why not? Back to the video, guys. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and as always, you guys have a good one. Eh.